I've got three high schoolers that are preparing. They've been in this process of learning how to teach, learning how to receive a word of God, and then through that, prepare a lesson to teach and deliver that word to others. And they've started with, you know, just a core group, a bigger group of young junior hires, and now we're in the, uh, the process of teaching high school Bible study. And it is amazing, week after week, how me and Randy will not have a conversation about what we're teaching. But what I teach on Wednesdays, and then what he teaches the Sunday before, the Sunday after, I mean, you could put them right together. They end up in different places, but the method and what is in them, the meat to it, is the same. Last week when we were going through, you know, reasoning up to God instead of allowing the Holy Spirit to reveal down, I had just taught that the Wednesday before. And Elizabeth Ariano, I mean, she couldn't believe it. Because that was also in her sermon the Wednesday before. And to just see those similarities as a body is just really, really cool. It's really exciting to see how God is stirring us and how this unity that we've prayed for and we've talked about for so long is just so, so present and so cool. Uh, and I'm not talking about any of those things tonight. That was, <laughs> you can take that to the bank. That's a little side note, a little bonus for you. Um, what I am talking about tonight, really how this word began to form in me, it started several months ago when we prayed over your mom who was standing in the gap for her sister, I believe, and just the miracle that existed in that story. And then again when we prayed for Jamie, and just in the situation, the absolute absence of hesitation. You could almost not keep up with your feet to get up there and begin praying. The prompting was so great. And it just began this journey of trying to understand what was that in me? What was that in our body? What is, what is existing there? And it, as the Arianas were going through that situation, I had a conversation with Elizabeth kind of talking about how she's doing with those things. And we had already prayed for Jamie. And so, you know, how has your prayers for that situation been since then? Because I want to make sure that she's walking in belief, you know, because once we left, it's our job to just walk in belief and not, not waver from it. It's done. We took care of it right here. God's dealt with it. It's done. And so we're going to walk in belief from that point on. So I want to make sure that's where she's at. And she got real honest and said, I feel horrible because every time I approach God to pray about it, I can't help but cry. I can't get a word out. And the Lord prompted me and just gave it to me right there in that moment, standing in Randy's kitchen. I want you to just sit there and cry. So we just began to have this conversation that the Lord desires that, that you would just simply want to be with Him and be vulnerable with Him. He doesn't care that if there are words spoken or not. He just wants you there. In that place of vulnerability, He knows what your heart is saying without any words. And there are prayers being heard and answered. But that is bringing you to a closeness with God, an ability to understand God and feel God like you've not yet in your life. And sure enough, the fruit of that was fascinating. She taught on it um, just a few weeks ago of that encounter. And then leading to a conversation that I had with Jay at a McDonald's about faith. And just this wrong perspective that I've had of faith for a really long time. We're about to go over a teaching that Kendall gave to me a long time ago, and I've taught it to these kids, and I had, I've had a misunderstanding of it, of where faith truly comes from, how it grows. Because for me, I believed it came in a situation. Situations came like putting 
money in a bank account, it would increase, but it was the situation that allowed for the deposit. And that just wasn't so. I actually, the Lord began teaching me this further after the conversation with Jay, just a profound statement that Elizabeth Ariano made in her teaching. And it's intimacy with God is the steady place in the shaking. That just blew my mind. Not because it's not anything that I don't understand. That's one of those statements where we're like, okay, yeah, I see that. But really understanding what that intimacy means. Intimacy with God is the steady place in the shaking. And if you'll go to Psalms 1, 1, that's where we're going to start. This is one of my favorite passages in Scripture just because of the relevance that it has to us today, the reality that it brings. If this is the way your life looks, this tells you this is what it's going to be like. Verse 1, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and in all that he does he prospers. Look at verse 2 again. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. And because of that reality, he is like a tree planted by streams of water. And being like a tree planted by streams of water, you produce fruit. We see this natural equation that just this plus this is going to get you this, no matter what. That's what it equals. And so we have our basic bodies soul and spirit. We know this is brought to life in, in salvation. This is what God restores. But Kendall taught me, as I just came to this question, everyone throws around, you need to walk in the spirit. Okay, I'll do it. Uh, but I don't know what that means. And I'm having a hard time understanding. So you're going to need to tell me, show me, how do I walk in the spirit so that I can walk in the spirit? Don't tell me to walk in the spirit and give me no teaching of it. And this is what he brought. This is interaction with Holy Spirit and connection to God. But what happens as we walk in the Spirit, what that looks like? The first thing is John 15, to abide, to remain in. And when you remain in, when you abide, something very naturally happens in you, and you become transformed. When we remain in and are saturated in God, it is very natural to become like God, in the image of His Son. And we see that in John 15, when he says, If you abide in me, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. By this my Father is glorified that you would bear much fruit. Well, we know that prayer is simply praying the, the desires of the Father's heart back to him that we would see those things come into fruition. We know that to be true, but the desires of the Father's heart don't just exist because we wake up and we're like, I want your desires right now. But we abide, we remain in, and because of that reality, we begin to be transformed and we see this process take place. We see this fruit begin to exist. But what grows right here is faith. And so I, for a long time, this is where I messed it up. For a long time, I thought that faith would increase in me as I abided. And that's, that's true. But my remaining in, what I thought that to be was simply just living my life for Jesus. That's not it. We have a lot of people that live their life for Jesus and produce nothing that are Christians and produce nothing. So there had to be another level to this. And this is where I uh, really got into it. And it was Jay expressed how the Lord hit him with this like a train. 
the night before, and it immediately hit me like a train. If that seat wasn't holding me up in McDonald's, I thought I was going to go on the floor. Because the reality of it had been missed for so long, and it couldn't be missed anymore. Is that when we abide in, that is a place of intimacy. Not only are you living your life in the reality of God, walking with Him, desiring a relationship with Him, going through your life, bringing God where you go, all these different things, having your mind fixed on Him as Peter did in Acts 5. You know, he's walking, he's living his life, but his mind is still fixated on the Lord. But it is that place of intimacy where we remain in that secret place where faith grows. That's where it flourishes. So that when we come to a situation, faith can blossom. We cannot expect there to be more faith in a situation that requires great faith if we've not done the work to have that great faith. And so that's, that's really where we're going to be at tonight. And the Lord continued to just lead me in this after that conversation at McDonald's. Uh, if you guys want a deep, profound conversation, go to McDonald's in Leveland. Um, their breakfast stimulates something profound. But as I was leaving and driving back home, the Lord asked me, what was the first gift I gave you? Salvation? No. Jesus. Because when in doubt, Jesus is always correct. <laughs> but no, I missed it. So he started taking me through this journey again of what is salvation? How does salvation come to be? Well, it comes from an encounter. But do we in that encounter have the ability to believe in God? No. God presents us with a gift of faith that we can then receive and then pour back into Him. What He's led me to believe is just a simple, base, foundational layer of faith, this abiding faith that simply believes that God is good and He loves me. And so we have that faith. So the first gift that He presents is this faith. But is it our faith? No. So I don't know why we go through this. I, I don't know why I've gone through this because I've taught about abiding faith like a lot. I don't know why I went through this understanding that it was me who created the faith, that I added on to it. But it's really easy to, in the craziness of our life, to get mixed up in it and lose that place of intimacy, but still think that great faith will be added to us. And that as we just continue to walk and as we mature in our relationship with the Lord, Pretty much, for most people, it's just, I'm a lot older now, and so I guess I'm mature with God. But our, as we get older, our faith gets more mature and grows. And that's just not it. That's just not the reality of it. And so what we do is in that salvation, we get this gift, and we get that salvation. The Spirit comes to life, but if we look in Genesis, Adam and Eve were directly linked to God, and that is the spirit that is now alive in us. It's the toaster being plugged back into the wall. We are connected to the power source. But what they also had that God restored is intimacy in the garden. It says right before he finds them in the fall of man, he was walking in the garden. That means there was a, there was a deep level of closeness and intimacy. They were face to face. And he restores that. That we could be face to face. That we could encounter his presence in a very deep and intimate way, closer than we've ever been able to, because we haven't been able to. He's restored that garden. But what we do so often, as we don't feed that faith, we also leave that garden unattended. And Deb, you said this a few weeks ago. I can't remember where we were. Just talking about cultivating and spending time in preparation for Africa in that garden. 
in your garden. And I, I just love the example of a garden. It, it's not like you've, you know, you got to sit down and meditate and create a garden in your head. And, but I love the idea and the thought of a garden because that gives a clear picture of growth. But it also gives a clear picture of growth that is not good. Weeds exist in a garden and have to be plucked. So if I plant this beautiful garden, but then I leave it unattended, I will come back. I haven't watered it. Weeds will be existing there. They will have sucked the life out of everything good, and that will be withered and, and dying. And so the first thing that we have to recognize, we've been given this garden, this place of intimacy that is for you and God, no one else. We have to return to it. A lack of faith will not spur us into action and obedience. Adequate faith will spur us into action and obedience. Faith that is enough for the moment that we find ourselves in. Faith to know that if I leave this podium or this pew and I go lay hands and pray that she would be healed, she will be healed. The prompting, I feel it. But if that faith is not there because the relationship has not been cultivated because the intimacy does not exist, I will not leave because I will doubt because that's what exists there. Doubt exists there. Fear exists there. And division exists there. That is how the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But he doesn't come in this crazy way with a sword or anything like that. He just comes and he plants a weed because we allow him. We leave it unattended and we say, you can run rampant in this territory that's been given to me and you have no power in unless I give it to you. And our not paying attention has given him that power to run rampant in that place. And so I shared this with Max a few weeks ago in preparation for some Africa stuff that we're doing. Just to continue on this situation and circumstance and how faith plays a role in it. When we don't have time with God, when we lack in faith, I mean, we're seeing this already in preparation for Africa the attacks that have come. And you see the attacks and you see it in those people. They're very young in their faith. They maybe don't know very much. They're not plugged into a place like this that's really feeding them the necessary stuff. I mean, it's, it's like the Good Samaritan, but instead of healing the cuts and bruises, it's like, here, let me pour some Kool-Aid on you. Or let me take you to a bar. Yeah, you've picked him up and you've taken him out of the ditch, but you're not giving him what he needs. And a lot, that's the reality of a lot of places that people attend. And we've got a lot of people that aren't a part of this church that are going. And so we're seeing that. And so we're just seeing this lack of faith because of an absence of a relationship with God. And so the second the situation comes, the circumstance comes, they question God. And the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy through uh, fear, doubt, and division. And then that will produce no growth, which is a fruit. It's a hindrance, and it's this weed of no growth and preventing you from growing closer to God. And what we then do is we become ineffective ministers because we'll still proclaim the name of Christ. We'll still go to places um, like Africa, but not effective at all. We talked about it today with a young man that was, he's very fearful about going, but he's also very fearful about not going. I'm like, man, what a beautiful place to be. Because that's a place where you remember your inability to do any of it and to be effective. But only God, through you, able to do anything. And so that's a great place to be. And then we see the other side. Understanding that the thief comes no matter what. He doesn't care how mature you are. He's not going to give up territory. And 
the slightest chance of him to gain territory back, he's going to take it. So even time with God and adequate faith for what, this, what situation you find yourself in, we trust God. Not because we know a lot about him, knowledge-wise, but because we've encountered him. Our faith is not blind, but it's because of an intimate relationship with him. We've seen him. We know him. So we trust him. The thief comes, but in that tack, instead of running in fear, we remember that place of intimacy and what God did there. And what that does, that produces praise and worship, which trumps it, and then we become effective ministers to the person or to the situation. Another thing that Jay said was that faith, and I love this, just coming back to the first gift he gave us in that moment of salvation was this gift of faith that we could believe in him. Faith gives life to all the other fruits of the Spirit. Without faith, you cannot love and keep no record of wrong. It's not possible. There's no self-control. There's, you know, there's just the reasoning of it um, just won't exist. Faith gives life to these things. And so we see that in ministry. So we must return to the garden before anything else can be taken care of. Matthew 10, 5 through 8, if you want to go there real quick. I love this passage because of the honesty that it speaks to. The recognition to really just be honest with yourself as far as mission trips and ministry is concerned and just how applicable it is to us. Matthew 10, verse 5. These twelve Jesus sent out, instructing them, Go nowhere among the Gentiles, and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You have received without paying, now give without pay. For us to be effective, our call is to go and make disciples. We know that. We're all very specific in significant and unique in that. It doesn't all look the same for all of us. But in order for us to be effective in that, our garden has to be ready to take on that kind of ministry. And if we do not have an intimate relationship with the Lord and we see it all the time, and then we go out to minister, it will be ineffective every time. Because from that place of no relationship with the Lord, there will be no obedience. There will be good ideas. And good ideas are not Good ideas not given by God. So, and that's, that's what we've seen in the church. And we see that corporately because it first exists individually. We see this, this church that's just kind of running wild with no direction because of the individuals that are running wild with no direction because that direction is gained in that moment of intimacy with God where faith grows and gives life to everything else. And so, in preparation for Africa, in preparation really for every day and I was man I was trying to remember I couldn't find it when I was googling I can't remember what book I read it in just expressing how before he starts his day he knows that he's got this much time of day that he's got to get through so he's going to spend this huge chunk this first like four hours in prayer in intimacy with God to prepare him for what has to happen in that day and that's just really been lost in our culture, in our, in our society, is that place of intimacy with God where growth takes place, where we can increase in our understanding, in our relationship with Him, and grow to know Him more, and then take that, that it would affect everything outside of that place. Um, we kind of just want to affect everything 
outside of this building without taking care of what's, what's in here first. You know, God calls us an emergency room, but an effective emergency, emergency room doesn't have all the doctors and nurses outside of it. They're inside, taking care of those and then releasing them outside. But they have to be taken care of first before they can be re- released. And so that's, that's my challenge. Um, next week we'll be talking about what comes from that place of intimacy as far as receiving who God says that you are, what God speaks about you, because we've talked about over the last few weeks the message that we give, that we send to others. This message, because everything is affected in the spiritual realm, and it affects the worldly realm that we live in. We kind of think it's vice versa, but it's, it's not. And the message that you receive, if it's wavering because of a circumstance, because of a specific person, uh, and that message shifts in you constantly, you will be, like James says, the, that person that asks for wisdom, but is, like, is shifting as the tide, just back and forth. But that a, a message formed in you by God outside of any circumstance, that when you are in those circumstances, that message would affect that place and that situation. That message can't be received. That message can't form in you if the place of intimacy does not exist in your life. And so that's, that's what we'll be hitting at next week. But this week, understanding that that place of intimacy is where faith grows and faith will give life to everything else. So much of this stuff that we're encountering with Africa, there was a place of intimacy where God could really lead them to the weeds and speak the truth that faith would grow and they wouldn't be struggling with what they're struggling with um, outside of that place. But that place has to exist. And so that's my challenge. It's been this reflection of all these things that are very commonly said, walk in the Spirit, receive what He has for you. Because my biggest thing is, I mean really anywhere, if you'll just tell me how to do it, I'll be able to do it. Or show me. I'll be alright. And that's always been, Kendall really had to hit me on the head a few times because I'd be like, Kendall, just show me. Show me how to do it and I'll do it. There wasn't a manual, but He continued to point me back to that place of intimacy with God that he could reveal very specifically because we've talked about no one can know the fullness of me. So therefore, Kendall can't give me the steps that I need to take because he does not know the fullness of me. God does because I originated in him. He created me very specifically and uniquely. And so he knows exactly what steps need to be taken. Those will not be revealed. Those will not be received. Those will not be understood absent that place of intimacy. And we just get caught in this rut of just going about our daily lives, waiting for the profound things to come, waiting to see the opportunities to just go and lay hands on the dead and watch them rise, heal the sick, just waiting for those things. But God, he gives much to who he trusts much. That's the challenge. That's the lesson. Return to that place of intimacy because that faith must grow and it will give life to so much else. Deeper, deeper relationship with the Father and a deeper, deeper impact out there because of that place of intimacy in the secret. So thank you very much. You are dismissed.